This is a Federal News Network podcast. President Biden signs an infrastructure bill today, which, after a long and messy debate, the House passed last week. Now there's the matter of a few crucial requirements to keep the government itself going. We get the week's outlook from Bloomberg Government Deputy News Director Lauren Duggan. And Lauren, let's start with the schedule. They are back after some recess, but not for very long. They're really just supposed to be in this week. Um, That could easily slip into the weekend or maybe even into the beginning of next week. But traditionally, they do leave town around Thanksgiving to go home and be with family. um, And so their staff can do the same. But we have this little burst of activity and then a big one coming after the Thanksgiving week where we're going to see a lot of things potentially tackled as they try to resolve many of the open items they have to deal with to keep the government open, to keep the government financed, and to you know also check off other things on their to-do list that they either need to do or want to do before the end of the year. And so that reconciliation of the second so-called infrastructure bill, it has a million names, reconciliation bill, will that probably mostly occupy the House this week? That's the big vote this week. And that was before they left, the House did two things. The first was they passed that infrastructure bill that President Biden's going to sign and do a victory lap the next couple of days, just as he did last week. Um, And then they set up the procedure to debate this reconciliation bill this week. Um, There was hope that they would do both of them together at the same time among many progressive Democrats. But there was a group of moderates who said, no, we need to see the CBO cost estimate. And that's the official analysis that the Congressional Budget Office puts out, says how much programs are going to cost over how long. And that's an important document here because this is a budget reconciliation bill and it's about what it does to the federal budget. So um, they held off the vote until this week. We'll see if the information they've gotten and continue to get from the Congressional Budget Office helps them move that forward. But they would very much like to have this vote in the House and send it over to the Senate because the Senate still has a lot of work to do on this bill. I would not view the product that the House may pass this week as the final version of this because senators will want to put their stamp on it and they may put their stamp on it because provisions may not comply with the budget reconciliation process. Uh, The Byrd rule, as it's known after Senator Robert Byrd, who's been dead many years now, but was a longtime institution, limits what can go in this bill. So some of these provisions that the House passes may not pass pass muster there, and there could be fights over that. Um, If the Senate changes it, they would probably send it back over to the House, who would have to deal with it. If not, before Thanksgiving, they would probably move to do that as quickly as possible right afterwards, provided it gets back to them. So there's a lot of ifs here on that bill. That bill still has many twists and turns, unlike infrastructure, which is now going to be a done deal. Right. So you've got the moderates in the Senate still at odds with the progressives in the House and each one changing the bill to the opposite way that the other side wants it. So that's still a impediment here, correct? To an extent, yes. And the House, you if, if the House passes this bill by, you know, by definition, the progressives and moderates there have at least agreed to the compromise. They may not be happy. Progressives clearly wanted more money. Moderates would like less and make sure that it's fiscally responsible. Now, when it gets over to the Senate side, um, the big question will remain Joe Manchin, who has been one of the factors that pushed this bill down from almost $3.5 trillion in total spending down to more like $1.75 trillion. And he's also said there are still provisions in the House version that he doesn't like. And that could be one of the reasons that the bill changes if he teams with Republicans to pull things out. Um, It's important to remember there are 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans in the Senate. Kamala Harris would break the tie as vice president. So 
So if they lose Joe Manchin, any of those votes go the way of the Republicans and stuff comes out. So um, that's why this is still a work in progress. As much as they wanted a version that could go through both chambers, um, they haven't quite gotten to that point yet. And I would expect some changes. We're speaking with Lauren Duggan, Deputy News Director of Bloomberg Government and the NDAA and, of course, regular appropriations with the CR expiring December 3rd. All of a sudden, we're almost at December 3rd. And what do you see there? The main principles on the federal spending question have met, um, tried to reach agreement and didn't uh, recently. So what we're looking at there is no top line agreement on how much to spend on defense and non-defense spending, and also no real agreement on a path forward on the policy writers in those bills, which can be as contentious and can cause as much problems as the amount that are allocated to each agency. Um, If there's no agreement on that by December 3rd, which seems you know quite possible at this point we could be looking at another at least short-term continuing resolution to give themselves more time in december to talk this through hanging over that is the debt limit a few weeks ago they passed a short-term debt limit fix they increased the debt limit by about 480 billion dollars which took it to an uncertain period of time so there are estimates that that could last into december maybe into next year that could be complicated by some of the spending and provisions in the infrastructure package however so um, they're going to be looking at this spending picture and this debt picture and trying to figure out how to move forward. Um, This could be a crucial week, people back in town, across the table from each other. Sometimes that breaks things loose, uh, but that's one of the things we're watching very closely. There's been talk on the GOP side of potentially a year-long continuing resolution. That's not something that agencies like. They don't like the short-term ones. They definitely don't like the long-term ones because funding doesn't, you know, get adjusted to meet the reality of what they need for the next nine months. So um, a lot's to come on that issue. And there are a lot of nominations by the Biden administration the Senate needs to look at. Will they get to some of that this week? That's what's right now scheduled on the Senate. Um, they have some more assistant secretary and undersecretary level positions, including the Treasury Department. There's judicial nominees waiting in the wings, and then there's you know number of agencies waiting in the wings as well. You and I have talked about the Merit Systems Protection Board. Those are still waiting for action after having come out of committee. So that seems to be the Senate's default position. If no legislation, we will deal with nominations. They had hoped to get the reconciliation bill sooner rather than later and maybe move to that. NDAA, the annual defense bill, which has been passed for more than six decades in a row every year, that hasn't come up yet in the Senate. If that reaches the floor, as some members want it to do as soon as possible, that can be a lengthy debate with a number of amendments touching everything under the sun. So um, they'd like to, as they have every year, wrap that bill up. They just don't need a Senate version. They need a House-Senate compromise there on the NDAA. So maybe we'll see that debate start before Thanksgiving, or that might be one of the first things they do when they come back. Lauren Duggan is Deputy News Director of Bloomberg Government. As always, thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, 
Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. 
You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author, she turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zell. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.